0: Today we're going to be finishing up our series, You'll Get Through This, and it's been good. It's been good for me, you know, and uh, I, was, I was just thinking about this story that I heard in 1882, there was this New York City businessman, his name was Joseph Richardson, and he had built this really crazy house. It was like five feet wide, okay, the house was five feet wide and about 104 feet long. So it's five feet wide, yeah, yeah, see, it's like right here. This is his house right here. This, this part here. So five feet wide, 104 feet long, and four, st- one, two, three, four stories high. Okay, so that's his house. And he built that in, um, in New York, and it had four rooms. Four st- uh, he had two suites on each floor, and his wife and he lived in one of those suites. And the house was so narrow that, you know, just one person at a time could use the stairs their dining table was just like 18 inches wide because that's all they could afford. 18 inches wide, and the kitchen, you know, featured like the smallest stove ever made, you know. And the question is, why would you build? See, like that's like funky right there, right? Um, it was like, why would he build such a building? You know, why would he build such a crazy house? Well, what happened was um, earlier another businessman. Hyman Sarner, um, he owned the lot right behind uh, Richardson, right? And, you know, he wanted to build an apartment building there. And so he looked at that, he said, you know, like just five feet, 104." hundred foot, you know, he offered to buy that strip of um, land so he could just, you know, build a little bigger apartment building. So he offered him, um, in about, you know, 1880, he offered him a thousand dollars, for, for that skinny strip of land. Well, Richardson was really, really offended by that, that terrible lowball offer. He got really offended. And he countered, and he said, no, 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 you got to pay me $5,000 for my piece of property. And, and, and Sarnes says, you know, that's a little bit too high. Can't do it. And Richardson actually called him a tightwad. He said, you're just a tightwad. And he slammed the door on that guy. Well, Zarner assumed that, you know, with such a skinny piece of property, you know, it would have been great if he had it, but couldn't get it, so he decided to build his apartment anyway. So he built his apartment, right? And, and and this is the apartment back here, right? And he decided to make an apartment and have with windows and stuff to overlook the um, the avenue and just the um, you know, right in front of them because he figured no one's gonna build a building there, right? Well, when, when Richardson saw that completed building, um, he, he, he got really, really upset. He was still seething from that insult with that lowball offer. And he would said, you know what? Nobody is going to have a view over my property. And so that's why he built that, that, that crazy house, five feet wide, 104 feet long. And out of revenge, he builds that ridiculous house. And he lived there uh, for the last 14 years of his life. And um, that house became known. It got torn down in, I don't know, 1930. I forget what it was. But it was known as the Spite House. That's the Spite House, you know. And the thing is, you know, we don't, hopefully, you don't go that far. But sometimes it's really tempting, right, right? To get back at someone who's hurt you, right? It's like it's like get back, right? It's t- isn't it tempting to heed the words of that you know bumper sticker I saw once, and you guys all saw that, right? Um, I don't get mad; I get even, right? You saw that. I don't get mad; I get even, right? And it's really tempting to 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 get even, to take revenge. And the truth is, though, that taking revenge and getting even, uh, it really doesn't bring much joy, right? It doesn't bring much satisfaction and peace. It might feel good for a little bit, right? I mean, he must have felt good in that little house, I guess, for a little bit. Ha-ha! <laughs> but, I mean, who wants to live in that house? Word was it that they had a visitor once, and not many people would go visit that house. But there was, there was once this guy who was a little bit broad, in, you know, and he got up the stairs, he got stuck. And what he had to do was, he had to remove his clothing to get back down. I mean, that's how ridiculous uh, that was. But what Joseph Richardson experienced, and what we experienced, is that re- when you go after revenge, it kind of builds a lonely house. It doesn't make things better. In fact, it, it kind of causes more trouble. Right? I mean, it causes more trouble. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, The Bible says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And and what? And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, when when we get stuck with unforgiveness and when we just go after revenge, what happens is that it builds in us a bitter root. That's what happened to Richardson. He could never forget that lowball offer, what he thought was a lowball offer. He could never forget that. Right? And so when he saw the house being built, he goes, you know what, I'm going to block that view. And he just built that thing. You see, that's that bitter root. It grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That it messes up a lot of people, it's saying. That because of spite and revenge, Richardson actually lived in this miserable condition for the rest of his life. So did his poor wife. No one, you know, really would want to go and visit You know, no one in the apartment building enjoyed their time there because of that house. A bitter root, when we allow unforgiveness and revenge and all those thoughts, don't get mad, get even, all that stuff, it it produces, it grows in us this bitter root. And it causes trouble and it defiles and it, you know, messes up a whole lot of people. But the truth is, and we've been talking about this this whole series, is that if we allow God to, if we would just humble ourselves just a little and we would allow God to, He will move us forward by healing our past. That you see, God wants to heal our past. He wants us to move us forward. That we move out of a house of spite, away from that cramped world of, of bitterness and, and grudges to a spacious place of grace. You know, From hardness to forgiveness God moves us forward by healing our past. And the question is, does God really do that? Yes, God really does do that. Whatever mess that you're going through, whatever mess that you've gone through, the hurt of a father abandoning their family, the pain of abuse, the hurt and anger from being dumped by someone who you thought loved you, you know, all those things. The good news is that that God heals our past and moves us forward. That no matter what you've gone through, what you've experienced, or what you're experiencing now, you know, that you can can get through this. You know, that's what God's been saying to us over and over, over these weeks. That, yeah, it looks bad now, but you'll get through this. That you'll get through this, you know. That it might not be painless. It might not be quick. You know, it might have gone on for years. But God really will take that mess and turn it for good. And so like Max Licato says, don't do anything foolish. But don't despair either. Because with God's help, you're going to get through this. That you're going to get over this. And you're going to experience freedom beyond all the hurt. And we've been looking at Joseph's life. And when we look back on Joseph's life, man, you talk about someone who had a lot of reasons to to not forgive and to seek revenge, right? I mean, his brothers, of all people, how his brothers betrayed him, plotted to kill him, sold him, you know? He ended up, you know, far away in a foreign land in Egypt, away from his father who he loved, who loved him, you know? All because of his brothers. He went from this free guy, this enjoying life, to becoming a slave in Potiphar's house, you know? But, you know, as he was there... As we talked about earlier, God was with him, right? And how God blessed everything that he did. And he was put in charge of his master's household, right? He, he just rose up because God was with him, you know? And then he was falsely accused, thrown into prison, just when things are going good. Falsely accused, thrown in prison, you know? But then he was there, get angry again. Look, see, look, man, look at my brothers, you know? But then God was there, continued to bless him, so much that the warden warden kind of puts him in charge of those in the prison while he's in prison he he interprets dreams of Pharaoh's cupbearer and his baker one had good news one not so good news remember and 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 he tells the cupbearer says God, when when you get out please tell Pharaoh what happened please tell Pharaoh how God interpreted his dream and and how I was, innocent, you know, I was falsely accused, I'm innocent, and that, that he would get me out. And the cupbearer said, yes, yes, I will. He gets out, he says, yes, and the guy forgets. And he's in prison for two more years. Right? And he used to be like, man, this is like crazy. And he could have easily gotten upset, blamed his no-good brothers and the people. See, look, you know, everybody's against me. Even when I do good, I get messed up. You know, I interpret a dream, he gets out, and look what happened to me. I'm in prison, all because of my brothers. And you talk about a fertile ground for a root of bitterness. And then there came an opportunity for Joseph to get back at his brothers, right? And it's like, oh man, God had set this up, you know, the moment that we've been waiting for, like the brothers are going to get theirs, right? And he had his golden opportunity to get even. In Genesis 42, verse 1, Jacob learned, the father learned that there was grain for sale, there was a famine in the land. And Joseph's brothers and his family, Jacob's the father, and they're, they're, they're starving now. And he says to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he says, behold, I've heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Because God has blessed everything that Joseph had done, right? Go down there, buy grain for us, that we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob didn't send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers. Because he feared that harm might happen to him. See, like Joseph was his favorite. Joseph was gone Benjamin's is his favorite. I don't care what happened to my other sons, but you know, I want nothing to happened to this guy, right? Still doing the favoritism thing. Thus, the sons of Israel, another name for Jacob, came down to buy among the others who came. In the land, uh, was in the land of Canaan. It, it affected. Not only in Egypt, now it went throughout the world. It was going worldwide. Verse 6. Now Joseph was the governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And then Joseph's brothers came, bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. All right? So there you go now. right Here you go. Here's the opportunity. He, their brothers who sold him, who wanted him killed, threw him in that pit. Right? They didn't care what happened to him now they come begging they're on their face starving asking for food and there's this opportunity in fact it was just like the dream he had when he was a kid and he says hey he told his father and his brother say one day i had a dream one day you guys are gonna be bowing down and they got all mad like what are you talking about and that was it they were bowing down god had set it up right? And this could be it. It's like, all right, brothers, check this out. You guys, And he could have let them have it. But Joseph chose to do something different, something surprising and remarkable. And the house that he built was far greater than this spite house, any spite house in New York City. That God's exhortation to us today is, is remember Joseph. If you're going through a hard time, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you're looking like I gonna get, I don't get mad, I just get even. And if that's your heart, what God's saying to us is clear. Don't get even. Get even better. You know, don't don't settle for getting even. Get even better. You know? And and what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at some things from Joseph's life to get better, to move beyond getting even. Because we don't want a root of bitterness to form in our heart. And the first thing is, there is no revenge as complete as forgiveness. Josh Billings, you know, he was a 19th century uh, writer and lecturer, humorous. Maybe Some people say he was second only to Mark Twain, the whole thing. But he said, there's no revenge as complete as forgiveness. In Genesis 42, verse 7, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized those dirty rascals, you know. But then... And, and he treated them like strangers and spoke kind of roughly to them. Where did you come from? Said, they said, uh, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams he had dreamed of them. And he had them right there at his mercy. You know, Brothers who were jealous, wanted him dead. Brothers who, sold, brothers who wanted to kill him. Brothers who sold him as a piece of property. The whole thing and there they were bowing before him just like their dream. And it would have been real easy for him to say, I don't get mad, I get even. But then we find out after testing them and seeing them, talking with them, hearing their desperation, their anguish, Joseph took the high road. Amazingly, he he chose not to get even. He chose to forgive them. In Genesis 45 verse 1, it says, Then Joseph, couldn't control himself anymore before, you know, before all who stood, be, um, stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. So the Egyptians heard it. You know, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers couldn't answer him, for they were just made in his presence, right? They messed with their brother, and now there he was, right? Can you imagine how they felt? You know, and, and we could do a whole thing on all the guilt and all that stuff, but there they were, to go, oh, this is it now. We're never getting anything. You know, what are we going to do now, right? <clears throat> verse, verse 4. Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me now, (laughs) you know, and they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt, but now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there's yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and the lord of his house and the ruler of all the land of Egypt. And Joseph experienced what we've been talking about. He experienced much heartache, much challenges, but he got through it. It wasn't painless. It wasn't quick, quick but he didn't do anything foolish, and God used it for good. God used it for good. And as Pastor Max shared last week, you know, yeah, Joseph, he didn't, he didn't do anything crazy. You know, he didn't wallow in his self-pity or despair. Instead... Joseph lived in God's presence. He lived out God's favor. God just blessed him, like Max was saying last week. And God worked out of his mess for good. He became a blessing. He was blessed to be a blessing. And he took that to heart. And that was more important to him, what God was doing and what God has done, than his need to getting even that looking at what God was doing and what God has done, as he humbled himself, he said, I'm not going to get even. I'm going to get even better. That I'm not going to get revenge. He didn't give in to the temptation to, get re- to take revenge or to get even. I mean, it's amazing. He chose to forgive. In spite of everything he went through, and you look at it, over 10 years of suffering, All of his adult life up to that point. All because of his brothers. Everything he went through. And Joseph chose to forgive. And the truth is it freed him up. And it freed up his brothers. And their relationship was restored. You see? It was so much better than growing this root of bitterness that causes trouble and defiles all the people around you. Goes on in verse 9. Hurry. Joseph says, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt, come down to me, do not tarry, do not wait, you know, just, you shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me and your, you and your children and your children's children, your flocks, your herds, all that you have, there I will provide for you for there are yet five more years of this famine, it's going to come, it's still not going to be good, but you know what? you and your household, all that you have will not come into poverty. And now your eyes will see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell down upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And they wept and they kissed his brothers and wept upon them. And then... Cool thing. After that, his brothers they just reconciled, they talked with him. They talked with each other. So, how did it go? How it's not bad. You know, we were talking like brothers. And they lived happily ever after. You know, it was great. And forgiveness brings healing and freedom. See? It brings healing and freedom. If you've been hurt, if you've been wronged by someone, the most powerful thing you can do is forgive. You can forgive. You know, extending forgiveness to someone really is the only door to freedom. You know, that's the only way we can get free. That's what Joseph and his brothers experienced. That when we forgive and we trust that God will do what is right and necessary in his eyes, you know, we experience peace. We don't get even. If God wants to do, that's up to him. He's all wise. He'll know what to do. In fact, Romans 12, 8, 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. We forgive. Revenge, that's up to God and his perfect wisdom. God's not promising us that he's going to go out and get them. You know, what he's saying is that in my wisdom... And my all, just, you know, just my perfect wisdom. I'll determine if revenge or any kind of action needs to be taken. That's up to me. Your responsibility, just forgive. Just to forgive. Freedom comes when we forgive, you see. The second thing, and, you know, got to talk about this. Forgiveness comes at a cost. Forgiveness comes at a cost. It's really powerful, but it's not easy. You know it, and I know it. It's not easy to forgive. Forgiveness is costly. There was a cost for Joseph to forgive. You see, forgiveness would mean humbling himself and helping these brothers who wanted him dead. It would mean risking getting hurt again. It would mean letting them off the hook. And that's a hard one for us. What? i got to let them off the hook. After all they did to me, i got to let them off the hook like nothing ever happened? See? Forgiveness is costly. It would mean letting them off the hook without any seeming retribution because Joseph was innocent, never deserved what he got from his brothers. And revenge would have been so much easier in some ways. But for Joseph, the cost of forgiving was worth it. In Ephesians 4, 31, it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Instead, what do you do? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and what else? Forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. See, when you choose to forgive someone, you have to let go of the feelings you kind of held on to. Man, it really broke your heart to have someone you love betray you. You know, you're left with all these feelings of anger and hurt. You got to let that go. That's the cost. You got to let that go in order to forgive. That you've been driven to see justice, at the very least punishment, for those you believe wrongly terminated you from your job. See? Forgiveness means you got to sacrifice those desires to obey God's instructions to forgive. And make no mistake, forgiveness is costly. But remember, God understands that. You know, forgiving costed God his only son. Forgiveness cost Jesus his life. Forgiveness will cost you. But then you look at what you're letting go of. Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice. And the thing is, do you really want to hang on to that? You really want to hang up to that. Forgiveness is costly. But the third thing, unforgiveness comes at a greater cost. Right? Unforgiveness comes at a greater cost. If, forgiveness is, if forgiving people is costly, the failure to forgive is even more costly. The Bible tells us, and you probably know like me, we probably know from experience that being unwilling to forgive is miserable is miserable right there's that person right you know right when i you know when i used to like football you know and when i used to really be a fanatic of the san francisco 49ers it took everything i had to forgive those hawks from the north see well what was what, what what did i gain from that Laurie Lum back there they didn't like me. I was miserable. Every time they won, I get more miserable. I don't get happy because I wanted to. T- <laughs> you know, Marshawn Lynch get hurt. <laughs> you know, all these like silly things, stupid things like that, right? You know, and 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 it's miserable, right? Isn't unforgiveness miserable? And what would happen to Joseph? Can you imagine what would happen to Joseph if he chose not to forgive? He would have had a moment of like, yeah, and that's it. And then what would have happened? I mean, what would have happened? You know. We read earlier in Genesis forty-two nine that when Joseph saw his brothers, he remembered his dreams, right, about them bowing down before him. But you think about it—was that all that he remembered? See, uh, was he, you know what was he thinking on the road? with those who are, of those traveling merchants when he was sold to them. What was he thinking then? You know what was on his mind during those eleven years in a foreign land in Potiphar's house? or those two plus years in prison. What do you think was going through his mind? And you know, what was he thinking? You think, you know, it would have been really easy for him to think like, Man, my brothers, I would be in my father's house, nice in my Coat of many colors, relaxing. Look where I am now. See? It wasn't like he forgot all that, you know. And it would have been so easy for him to just think and let it eat at him, because unforgiveness has a way of consuming our thoughts, right? It eats away at us, just like Richardson was like, well, "What am I gonna do? No one's gonna build this house." In fact. What can I do? Got an architect, designed this little silly house. All he could think about was revenge. And unforgiveness has a way of just consuming our thoughts. And like Hebrews 12, 14 tells us, this root of bitterness, it just begins to grow in our lives. and It it begins to take control of our lives. And it's under the surface, messing up our lives. In fact, in this article in Psychology Today, You know, Dr. Judith Orloff wrote that studies show that revenge increases stress and impairs health and immunity, right? You want to get sick all the time, you want to feel stressed? Just just go after revenge, is what she was saying. And that's what a root of bitterness does, you see? It increases stress, impairs health and immunity. That's the root of bitterness growing in someone's life. She goes on to write, Refusal to release the guilty party has a far more devastating effect on the unforgiving one than it does on the one who offended. Isn't that true? Right? When we're like all messed up with unforgiveness and we see that person who just messed us up, you know, are they looking like, oh they don't even know that we're feeling what we're feeling. We're all like, ah and you know like this feeling and our blood pressure goes up and everything. They could care less. But it's messing us up. That's what Dr. Orloff was saying. That's what the root of bitterness is. That's the cost of unforgiveness. And then when we look at them and they look like life goes on, we get more upset, right? Like, right? You see? That's the cost. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, But when you are praying, when you're praying, first forgive. The first thing you do is you forgive anyone who you are holding a grudge against. Why? So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And when we don't forgive, it hinders, severely hinders our relationship with God. Prayers don't get through. We just get messed up. Jesus said that it's so important that that you must forgive anyone if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart. Otherwise, God's not going to hear. He's not going to forgive you. You're going to be far. You're going to be separated from Him. And that's a huge cost. That's too great a cost to be separated from God like that. You see? Forgiveness comes at a cost. But unforgiveness comes at even a greater cost than that. But here's the thing, right? The results of forgiveness is priceless. The f- results of forgiveness is priceless. Forgiveness is costly. But the results, they're priceless in Genesis forty-five sixteen, When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers has come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts. Go back to the land of Canaan. Take your father and your households and come to me. And I will personally give you the best of the land in Egypt. How's that? And you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods, for the best of the land in Egypt is yours. Even in the midst of the famine, even with five more years coming, Pharaoh rolled out the red carpet. He says, You know what? Joseph, he's been the greatest guy. Bring, bring, bring your whole family. The best that G- Egypt has to offer is for them. Verse 11. Then Joseph settled his family. Joseph settled his family in Genesis 47, 11, Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land. In the land of Ramses as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. And what we see the results, God blessed Joseph and his families and those brothers as a result of his forgiveness. That he was reconciled to his family. That his family was well taken care of. And Joseph lived the rest of his life in peace. And God continued to truly use Joseph's mess for good. You see? That's the power of forgiveness. That, that, that God will get you through no matter what you're facing. That if you're struggling with hurt or pain caused by someone, the door to freedom is to forgive them. How? By trusting God and giving it over to Him. Share with Him your pain. And then hand it over to him. Share with him your anger. And then you just hand that over to him. You know, hand over, share with him your fear. That if, man, you let them go and let them off the hook, they're like, they're going to be getting away with something and they won't learn anything, right? That's the fear we have. We share that with God and then we hand it over to him. We hand it over. And we don't give in to the the temptation to get even that we're going to use that opportunity to get even better you see and that's what God is saying to us you know whether you're going through a challenge whether you're going through unforgiveness because unforgiveness will eat your life all up will consume your life but God's word to us is you'll get through this you know might not be quick might not be painless you know But you can be sure that God's going to work this mess out for good. So don't do anything foolish or naive. Just keep trusting God. Do what is right. And don't despair either because God is there with you like he was with Joseph. Every time he was in a challenging situation, God was there. God blessed him. Because with God's help, you'll get through this. That's God's message to you even in the case of hurt, where you're just wallowing and struggling with unforgiveness, you're going to get through this with God's help if you would choose to do God's way. And so don't get even, but get even better. Make it an opportunity for your life to get even better, because it will, because you'll get through this, and God's going to come shining through in your life. And you're going to stand and say, God, thank you for all that you've done. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. You know, for some of you, you know, you're struggling with unforgiveness now. You thought, oh, I wasn't even thinking about that and the Holy Spirit kind of brought it to your mind. And maybe it's time you just kind of let that go. You know? Maybe for some, and, and here's the thing, right? When you think about forgiveness, how powerful that is. And with baptism coming up, I'm so excited. I've been thinking about this all week. That God in His love for us sent his son Jesus to come and die for us. We didn't deserve it, right? None of us deserved it. But because of our messing our lives up, he sent his son Jesus to come and die for us, to forgive us, and to pull us out of that pit, and to reconcile us back with him. Now that's so important. And man, you know, we say this every week, and I want to say it again this week. If you've never ever, Accepted Jesus as your Savior and said, God, I, I receive your forgiveness. Don't wait another day. Do that today. Just receive the forgiveness. And then you just pour out your heart, and God will give you the strength to forgive those around you. So let's pray. And we're going to pray together. And if you've never ever prayed, about receiving Jesus, you know, just do that right now. Just pray along with me. We're all going to pray quietly in our hearts. Just pray. You know, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your great love for me. That you didn't even, you know, you, I didn't even know you. And I just went wild. I, didn't, I messed up my life. But you, I acknowledge that you sent your son Jesus to come and die for me. I don't understand that love, but I receive it. And Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I need a Savior. I I recognize you as my Savior. I accept you as my Savior. And now will you come and and be the Lord in my life and lead me into the path of forgiveness because I have unforgiveness in my heart. Will you help me? But thank you for saving me. Thank you for grabbing hold of me. And connecting me back with my Father in Heaven. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And Father, for us who struggle with unforgiveness, we might be in a situation right now, Father. Just let that go. Let that say, Father, I give you the unforgiveness I have toward fill in the blank. Just fill in the blank. I choose today with the grace and the faith that I have that I'm going to trust you, God, and I choose today, I'm going to forgive, fill in the blank, just fill in the blank. I forgive them, I let them go. I choose to forgive, and if anything else needs to be done, that's your kuleana, God, my kuleana, I forgive. And now fill me, God, fill us, where there was that hurt and that wound and maybe that root of bitterness that had begun to grow, will you remove that and fill that with your love and grace and peace and joy and contentment and love? Heal the pain that the unforgiveness had caused us. Heal the pain that the hurt has caused us. I pray this week that, that everyone here would experience a greater sense of joy in their lives. A greater sense of joy. That they would see the truth. That yeah, forgiveness is costly. But unforgiveness is even more costly. And that the freedom, the door to freedom comes through forgiveness. But I pray that we would exp- everyone here would experience that. And the truth of that would set people free today. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Is if you prayed with me you know, for the first time, to you know what, yeah, I kind of did. If you would just take a step, just come see me after. Just want to shake your hand, and we have a little packet for you, and we'll give that to you. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything like that, but just come. That would be great. It would be an encouragement to me and to us. All right? God bless. Have a great week. Hey, don't forget, see you at the baptism. There's some food back there now. Get to know some people. If you want to get baptized and you didn't come to the orientation last week, come see me after and we'll go through that. All right, God bless. Have a great week. See you this afternoon.